This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 29th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Unsustainable debts have left Greece teetering on the brink of collapse with no clear path to avoid a great deal more pain for Greeks and the broader Eurozone. Greek banks remain closed. The Greek government has imposed capital controls. George Selgin is the director of the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. We spoke about Greece today. Many years ago, as the Eurozone was coming together, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this, I believe it was Bill Niskanen who said about that time, he figured the Euro would last about 10 years. And we're beyond that but not that far beyond that. So what, what, were the, uh, what were people saying as the Eurozone was coming together that we're seeing now? Well, it was understood both by critics of the plan and by those behind it, the chief architects, that uh, having a Eurozone uh, posed some real dangers. The, the, the crucial one in this case was the danger that some of the uh, member economies, member governments would take advantage of the euro to run a very high deficits and, uh, and would do that because, of course, uh, when you're part of a common currency zone, if you can get uh, the deficits monetized, by in this case the central uh, the European Central Bank, then it's uh, it's like having the rest of the zone contribute to monetizing your deficits. So you have a serious free rider problem. And a, a good analogy is with uh, Argenti- Argentina. You have a kind of federalism there that has contributed to the inflation problems Argentina has had. Brazil also has this, where where the different federal states can run deficits with the hope and indeed the expectation that the uh, national central bank will, will end up having to, to uh, help uh, cover them. That was the danger that many people were aware of and that many warned against. When the euro was put together, some precautions were taken or <clears throat> some safeguards were put into place or so it was believed at the time. There was the Growth and Stability Pact which was supposed to impose some serious sanctions on governments within the Eurozone that ran excessively high deficits. There was the ostensive independence of the ECB so they wouldn't be under political pressure to monetize debts and indeed there was an outright rule that the ECB wasn't supposed to uh, acquire the bonds of the individual member states. So with all these things in place, they thought, well, that, that'll that cover it. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. And indeed, critics like Niskanen feared that it wouldn't work out that way. It's one thing to write these safeguards down on paper, another to stick to them. You can put as many rules down on paper as you want, but you never see how those rules can be gamed until you see the creativity of people who might be gaming them. That's right. Broadly speaking, there are two kinds of rules. There are contracts where (laughs) there are legal sanctions that will definitely kick in if you don't uh, abide by them. And then there are what look like contracts uh, but are written up among governments that don't have the same teeth to them because really all it is is a promise. 
no none of the none of the actors involved stand to get sued or have lose their personal wealth if they don't abide by the contracts it's a huge difference that it's easy for people to neglect so uh, in this case things really started to unravel importantly as far back as 2003 if if not before when both france and germany which, who, which were of course the 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 leading uh participants in the creation of the Eurozone violated, themselves violated, the terms of the Growth and Stability Pact, uh, which among other things said they shouldn't run deficits of over 3% of their uh, GDPs. At that point, of course, uh, on paper, they were supposed to be subject to strict sanctions, but they weren't. (laughs) Nobody punished them. Nothing happened. That was in the minds of many, myself included, that was the beginning of the end uh, because it meant that other governments could get away with running large deficits and, and, and could no longer, uh, would no longer have to f- really fear any, any uh, measures taken against them in light of the fact that no action had been taken against uh, 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 the leading members. So in Greece today, um, we see uh, a country that is uh, not undertaken the austerity that it claims to have taken, in essence, right? That this is that, that the claims of austerity in Greece are essentially fraudulent. There's no doubt that that they have cut back some things, but uh, what they haven't been able to do and haven't pretended to do is to uh, abide by the rule, the growth and stability uh, pact requirements. It was out of the question after the recent financial crisis that they would do so. More importantly, though, what we've seen with Greece is how they could uh, challenge the European authorities, particularly with the risk uh, or the threat that they would leave the Eurozone. And this is where politics come in in a big way because uh, although the architects of the Euro had in mind this this currency that would include safeguards so that it wouldn't be abused by the the different nations using it so it wouldn't become a a source of moral hazard and irresponsible borrowing. Um, The fact is that um, what that called for was very strict discipline. You had to have – the European authorities had to have the guts to, to kick a member out that didn't abide by the rules. However, it turns out, not surprisingly, that they were more anxious about making sure the Eurozone got big and stayed big and uh, than about making sure the Euro worked the way it was supposed to. And that meant that countries like Greece could not only take advantage of the Eurozone, but they could hold the whole thing hostage through the threat of leaving it if it didn't if if the other member states didn't help bail, bail out uh, the offending country. Because of the costs that those other countries would have to suffer, were they to actually take that action? That's right. Basically, uh, 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 Greece was in a position to say, if you don't bail us out, we will default and we'll leave the Eurozone. The European, the other uh, European nations did not want either of those things to happen. The bureaucrats in the ECB didn't want to see any member leave because of the precedent that that could set. 
Remember, bureaucratic incentives here are working in the wrong way because they're concerned about maintaining the eurozone the way any bureaucracy likes to maintain its turf, whereas what they should be concerned about is maintaining the integrity of the euro so that it'll be a currency worth keeping, that wor worth having for the different countries involved. So uh, really, they should have called Greeks bl bluff, uh, Greece's bluff a long time ago and, uh, and ex accepted the losses that that might have involved if, if Greece, in fact, didn't then come back to the negotiating table and even accepted the possibility of Greece leaving the Eurozone. The fact of the matter is, I hasten to say, Greece has precious little to gain by returning to its own currency. It can't pay its euro-denominated debts uh, in drachmas. Uh, uh, at least uh, it can do so only because it's defaulting and th that, that means that it's not honoring the obligations one way or the other. It can hand people drachmas, but it can't pretend that that's paying them what they were owed. And it can't save itself uh, from um, internal austerity measures or the equivalent because uh, uh, essentially using drachmas, it's still not going to be able to pay its workers and pensioners what they expected. It's going to give them more pieces of paper, but the actual value of the stuff will be no greater than the euros they might have come up with. The biggest losers here are lower-income Greeks who have been unable to access their own money in Greek banks. That's, that's right. That's, they are the most obvious uh, of the losers and the most immediate losers. Uh, the poor Greeks had fewer opportunities in, uh, for uh, protecting their savings by getting it out of Greek-owned banks into European banks, which other more savvy or more affluent Greeks have been doing now for some time. Uh, and so with the banks closing, they are completely out of luck and the odds of them actually uh, finding the banks opening again with them having full access to the euros they had uh, this before this weekend are essentially zero. So they're taking a big hit. But they're not the only ones who are going to suffer from all this. Um, the ECB bought up most of the Greek debt that had been in European banks, shielding them from further from losses on that debt. But that only means that the default uh, uh, that's likely not very, more likely than ever now will reduce the capital of the ECB itself. It'll either have to recapitalize, which might involve tax t tax burdens, extra tax burdens on European citizens, both wealthy and poor. Or they may uh, uh, simply expand the money, supply more, and uh, tolerate more inflation as a consequence, as a way of achieving the same goal. To the extent that the ECB has executed I guess, a partial bailout of countries that are holding Greek debt, isn't that superior to bailing out Greece itself? Well, it, 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 it amounts to the it same thing. Neither one sounds great. Remember that, that by, by acquiring the Greek debt that had been held by uh, private banks and citizens in Europe, I believe the ECB only acquired the debt that banks had on their portfolios to, to, to head off a potential banking crisis. Uh, that, 
that still leaves Greece on the hook, and that's why uh, I'm sorry, the ECB on the hook, which is why the ECB, having done that, was still very anxious to try to work out some arrangement with Greece. The ECB now was still held hostage uh, by and more the Greek so. government, and more so in the sense that it had the more immediate concern of the effects of a default on its own balance sheet, whereas previously it was indirectly hostage because it wanted to avert a banking crisis in Europe. So, so it really didn't change the basic hostage-taking situation. It's kind of like one, a situation where, uh, let's say, some private citizen is taken hostage and a policeman volunteers to, to, to replace that hostage with himself as part of a negotiation process. You still have a, a, a somebody who's in grave danger. If Greece continues this process, is this the end game? Is it inevitable then that Greece will exit the Eurozone and will be compelled to issue its own currency? And more importantly, what do other Europeans have to lose when that process arrives? Well, the first thing I'd like to note in, in answering that question is that that uh, adopting uh, its own currency, many are already referring to this potential new currency as the drachma, which is just the name of the currency Greece used before the euro. Uh, Greece wouldn't be solving any of its fiscal problems. Uh, that is, there's no, there's no advantage to having its own currency at this point, uh, except, uh, except in the sense that it may not have any choice because uh, not ha Greece doesn't create euros. So Greece can only meet its euro obligations to the extent that euros continue to flow into Greece. From, from elsewhere. And uh, the closing of, your, of Greece's banks and stock market essentially is closing off the, the flow of euros from, from their source, from the rest of the eurozone and, and elsewhere. And uh, that may put uh, the Greek government in a position where it can't pay what it owes to its pensioners and employees at all in euros. It simply can't. Now, at that point, there are two options. They could simply cut pensions and other obligations and give fewer euros. Uh, or uh, they can issue drachmas, but nobody's going to be fooled by the latter solution. Everyone's going to be worse off. George Selgin is director of the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.